welcome to the Present Age Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. Joining me on today's show is animator and crypto art creator, Brian Brinkman. His work has appeared at places like The Tonight Show, Saturday Night Live, and even Sesame Street. Today, he's going to teach me a bit about NFTs. Let's get started. So, <laughs> joining me today on the podcast is Brian Brinkman. Hello. Hello. Hey, Parker. How's it going? It's going It's going very well. So, I wanted to have you on this uh, on the podcast to to talk to you about your art and your work, which I really like and enjoy. And also the one thing that I just, I, I don't understand, but I want to understand NFTs. Can you help me understand what an NFT is and how that applies to the art world, basically? Mm-hmm. I can do my best to try. All right. Uh, <laughs> Cause it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an ever growing description. Cause it, it, every, every week there's something new happening in the space. Um, but just to start out, I would say, you know, an NFT stands for non fungible token. Um, kind of the idea behind it is that you can authenticate digital assets through the blockchain. And so as a way of storing uh, imagery or, content uh it's a way of saying hey i possess this digital asset and that gives you the ability to trade it and resell it or do whatever you want with it and so that's kind of the basic idea uh around uh what an nft is but then what that asset can be is you know exploding into a million possibilities yeah i i was reading something the other day about how people have like other applic like other applications of the same the same blockchain technology someone was saying oh yeah you could one day we could have uh contracts and and house you know like deeds to houses and stuff mm-hmm. like that on there and and like that's that's really interesting and i think that part of the issue is is that a lot of people just struggle to kind of un- understand the the concept because for for instance like an nft might be something like a video or a gif or just a still image right and people might think okay well why would i buy this when i can just look at it anytime i want i can make my own copy of it i could just pull up a website that has this on it and look at it um like what for, for people who who are thinking about trying to kind of explore that space as either a creator or someone who just wants to get involved and support artists, I guess. That's mm-hmm. that's another another big thing, which I understand that that is definitely one of the reasons someone would want to pay for something as opposed to just looking at it on the internet. But uh-huh. um, yeah, so like, what's that kind yeah, of? Yeah, no, about? I think I think that's a, a good question, and a lot of people, you know, the first thing that comes to people's minds when they say it is, "Why would I pay for a JPEG when I can just download it or screenshot it?" Um, and, you know, I think that same idea can be applied to, you know, a, a lot of art. Why does any art have value? Uh, it's because there's a, a group of people that all agree it has value and that gives it value. Um, I think you can kind of look at the NFT collectible art market as being similar to what baseball cards were in the 90s. Um, those cards are printed for probably a penny 
on a piece of bad you know cardboard paper uh but the value is whether a lot of people all together go hey this michael jordan rookie card is worth more than this other card you know and so i think it, it kind of falls on that same thing is that the nft is just a, a medium and a canvas for people to create on and the the idea of like well i could just screenshot that well you can't go and sell a screenshot you know but you can authenticate that you own the original copy of an nft and someone will want to buy that and that's that's really inter- interesting and that's a good point i mean the only real difference is the fact that there's a, a physical object you know to to mm-hmm. hold on to with for instance with baseball cards um which funnily <laughs> funnily enough i was uh recently thinking about maybe getting back into collecting baseball cards because every, every once in a while when the world gets too chaotic, I try to pick up a new hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, So I don't just explode on Twitter or something like that. And a a few years back, it was comic books. I was like, I'm going to just get really into comic books and that's, that's been helpful. And then it was video games and it's all these like going back to my childhood kind of things. And so I think baseball cards is the next I'm kind of going down and just looking into like, (laughs) the state of of that industry right now is really interesting as well like i don't know i remember growing up and it would be like yeah here's this one card this is the card for this player for this year and now it's like yeah well this one if it has a blue border it's worth more than if it has a (laughs) multicolored and i'm just like i man it's so complicated now (laughs) well the sports card yeah. yeah The well, sports yeah, card industry has kind of changed a lot recently too. I've been looking at like they have like they call them like panini cards. Yeah, and you buy these boxes and they have like pieces of jerseys and autographs and like all these amazing like hand drawn pieces of cards and stuff. Like they've really upped the trading card game to keep up with kind of like the collector mentality in recent yeah. years, which is something I wasn't very aware of until like the past year. Yeah, yeah, I was, and and just the other day I was looking at uh top tops the trading card mm-hmm. company they uh they have a section on their website that's now just tops nfts and it's mm-hmm. kind of that kind of that same idea of trying to be like yeah you can own this rare whatever and then there are some people who sell like where it'll be like here's a here's a penguin or something and i'm, yeah. I'm trying mm-hmm. to understand that and yeah that's, i don't yeah, know i feel like i'm just yeah yeah the i feel like i'm like a million years recently. old <laughs> <laughs> no i think i think there's you know in my mind there's kind of two worlds of nft collecting right now there's the art side uh-huh. and then there's the kind of the collectible side yeah. and the collectible side falls into that kind of sports card mentality where there's high volume and there's big communities backing it and uh you know with the penguins there's ten thousand of those penguins and so you know having a feature in the new york times will give all these people excited and the prices fluctuate and it's kind of this it falls into more of like kind of a stock market mentality where there's kind of this liquidity to these collectibles, uh, whereas the art side falls into a, a slightly different uh, category where it's more of like uh, artists building communities around their work and their style. And that, you know, that falls into kind of like the auction house uh, world and the New York gallery world versus kind of like the sports card collectors. Uh, so it's, a, a, it's there's all these different entry points. And I, I would say like uh, a lot of the space grew because of uh, a website called Top Shot, NBA Top Shot, that came out uh, about a year ago, um, and 
kind of brought that sports card collecting mentality into the space. And then all these people did it. They kind of got a sense and they started to wrap their minds around, hey, these digital assets hold value. Um, and then they started looking elsewhere. And so that, and then they kind of branch off into what else there is. Uh, because uh, I think it was um, Paratism, who's an artist in the space, he made a tweet the other day that was like, uh, when you used to meet a celebrity, you'd ask for an autograph, but now you ask for a selfie. And that mentality of what what has more value to people these days is it the digital experience or is it this physical thing you hold i think that's changing rapidly especially with video game skins and you know how how you manage your digital content in video game worlds for instance i think translates very one to one with the nft world that's yeah that's that's a good point that's uh huh uh, the, one, the kids these days, kids, kids <laughs> they, these days. They care more about digital assets than but, you well, know, yeah. putting paintings on their wall. They yeah. they want to show paintings on their phone on that their they phone. can show their friends. Yeah, and that's and that's really interesting. And I mean, one one way I kind of tried to tr- have been trying to wrap my head around around that over the past several months. And one thing that I've seen as a criticism of NFTs and just things that involve uh, crypto generally is uh, like the, the energy consumption of that, but it, everything seems so unclear when it comes to the, uh, the yeah. environmental effect of any of this. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm sure you, I'm sure you have thoughts. <laughs> yeah, on that. I mean, I, I think it was around January after I'd been in the space for a year and that article kind of came out written by this guy named memo. And it was kind of this jarring account uh, of how much energy could be consumed at a, like at a maximum amount if everything travels all these places and burns all this energy. Um, and there's certainly um, different blockchains that consume different types of energies. And there's these arguments of kind of proof of work versus proof of stake. Um, Ethereum uh, is not the best at it. And they are actively trying to move to this new Ethereum 2.0 that will reduce this all by like 99%, but it's a slow process. So in the meantime, there's a lot of these kind of like, they call them side chains where people can kind of mint on these layer two solutions that take up less energy. But um, after that, after that article came out, a lot of the NFT websites made uh, commitments to offset their carbon emissions. Um, So, I mean, I've I've seen in the six months or so, or I guess it's been maybe eight months since that article came out. Uh, that has been a, a key point of almost every project is to like offset that. You know, as artists, uh, I, I did my calculations and offset it. Um, and you know, I've done charities to like kind of raise money for that. And so there's a lot of ways you can kind of work towards that in the short term while they're kind of finding solutions in the long term. And then a lot of artists that really um, feel strongly about it have moved to other uh, blockchains like Tezos. Uh, there's a website called Hikeknunk, which is a very silly name, but uh, it's kind of like the, I, I consider it to be kind of like the Brooklyn indie comic uh, NFT site. So it's it's like, there's a lot of really cool art there that's a lot more affordable and it, they call it clean NFTs. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways people are kind of working uh, to get around that in the short term, but th- there is certainly a lot of criticisms that are, I think, are valid about Bitcoin and other, um, you know, blockchains that aren't 
working towards solutions in, in the long term. Cool. Yeah, that's it, it, it's one of those things where I feel like the, the backlash to it was, was so swift where it was. If you buy an NFT, you're destroying the planet and you'd be yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't think that that is necessarily fair. Like I, you know, just, just saying that to people. And that, I, th- I feel like that kind of, that kind of scared a lot of people away from like really participating in this as, as a, as either a consumer or a, a, uh, an artist. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah, ho- I- hopefully that kind of o- over time will, I think the the math and the calculations were all based on worst case scenarios. Yeah. Um, looking at it, you know, the idea that miners are only going to consume pure energy isn't necessarily true because they're going to want to be using renewable energy just for their own profit's sake. Um, and a lot of mining happens on kind of solar power and renewable energy consumption. So I think there's... You know, there was a, a, a swift backlash and then people started to kind of understand that it, it wasn't, you know, minting one NFT isn't the equivalent of like an entire day of London's like in energy <laughs> consumption, you know. So I think people, you know, started to kind of look into it, figure out what the accurate amount was. I mean, I had places reaching out to me asking me to help them like figure out calculations. It was <laughs> like, you know, I'm not I'm not a science, a math scientist. Uh but I, you know, I can, yeah. I can do my best to help, like, but please, yeah, please I animate this and also do a bunch of very complicated math equations. <laughs> for <us>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think in the end, I think it's somewhere in between the two. It's not, uh, it's not a, uh, urgent issue and it's also not a non-issue. It's somewhere right. in between and you have to kind of work towards, uh, doing your best to address it as, as you can. Yeah, definitely. And so one other thing I wanted to kind of ask you about was just all of your other work that you've done over, over the, over the years. I mean, yeah, yeah. just looking at your, at your website, you have, you know, tonight's show, Saturday night live, Sesame street, um, yeah. the a music video for the good life. One of my favorite bands, which yeah, is we're both, we're both cool. big Tim Kasher fans. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's very, very cool. I was, uh, Cause I, yeah. I totally forgot you did that one, which it's, it's a good video. It's for the oh, screen room, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was such a fun one to do because they, they basically reached out to me and they were like, do you want to do this video? Here's like three songs from the new album. And I, I just kind of like sat and closed my eyes and listened to the songs until like imagery came about. And they mm-hmm. just let me kind of like uh, dream up visuals and kind of make something on my own and so they were you know very hands-off and they just let me have fun with it it was it was a blast because i'm such a huge fan i'm originally from omaha nebraska so i grew up uh (laughs) you know a big saddle creek records fan yeah i mean i uh i from illinois so Mm -hmm. it's like not too far away yeah um but also grew up big a big fan of saddle creek you know, every, every band that was on there, I would, I would go out and buy their albums as soon as it came out. And, uh, yeah, any of the bands that, you know, Tim, Tim Casher would be in or Connor Oberst or any of the guys from the faint, you know, it's like all oh, of the, yeah. all of those bands are so good. I love the faint. Yeah. I mean, they, they were my entry point to Saddle Creek when I was young, seeing those concerts were such a blast. I mean, they still are. I, anytime they come around town, I try to see them. Uh, but yeah, I think that, um that kind of career path i took i i kind of went to school for animation and then i 
found work kind of working in advertising and TV. I worked on some animated series like The Life and Times of Tim, which was like this like very small like HBO cartoon, uh, but it was a lot of fun to work on. Um, so like I kind of did all these paths before eventually kind of working. I worked at The Tonight Show for like eight years. Um, but in my free time, I would try to do music videos. I would try to do posters for concerts. I would do these uh, pop culture art gallery shows in LA. And I was always trying to kind of like find ways to be creative because I was just like, that's what I, that's my, that's my hobby. Uh, that's what I love doing. And then once kind of NFTs came around, um, it was like, oh, I no longer have to like worry about turning my digital work into physical work to sell like okay. this is like uh, a perfect platform for me to create animations um and i don't have to like make short films for film festivals anymore i can just make little short things that tell stories and uh i, I found it to be just like the perfect amalgamation of like all these things i've been trying to do for years because i mean even when i was like in you know i'm gonna date myself but when i was in high school i was creating like little flash cartoons for newgrounds.com mm -hmm. uploading them and then uh getting excited when people would be like i like this one or get upset when they say i hate this one you know <laughs> but it was like it was that same concept where i was you know it's been you know years later i'm still doing the same thing where i'm just kind of making whatever i want to make and then i put it out there and i see what people think yeah and and it's it's really cool and i love your your style just generally speaking the the colors that you use the the really weird ass kind of you know like i mean just on, on your website under on the the cr mm -hmm. crypto page you have there's one of the animations is like a person being ripped in half <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but it's 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 weird because it's not in this like sort of um it's it's not in this like really gruesome way it's just sort of like hey yeah. unzip unzip zip back up kind of kind of yep. thing and i've um i just i just really enjoy that like how would you how would you describe your art style like if i and and also just um anyone listening to this you can go over to my website readthepresentage.com and i'll be sure to include some of your tweets that have your images and stuff in there so they can see what on earth uh we're talking about <laughs> yeah uh well i someone uh giselle flores re recently said i was a conceptual cartoonist which i thought was very funny um and kind of fitting but i think the kind of the concept behind when i joined the nfts was i had been doing these kind of gallery shows and a lot of curators and people in the scene kept telling me like if you want to be a successful artist you have to do the same style over and over because that's what galleries expect you to do when they put you in a show they want you to do the work that you're famous for because that's what sells and i always kind of hated that mentality of like putting yourself into a corner especially early on in your you know artistic career i mean i was living out in la when i was like uh, shortly after college and i just thought that's like the worst way to get like stuck in a style like so early and so when I started doing uh, NFTs, I kind of wanted to break away from that. I saw it as an experimental like area to like do whatever in. And so my thesis behind my art was I'm just going to stick with a color scheme and then I can do whatever style I want. I can do 3D, I can do 2D cartoons, I can do paintings. As long as they have those colors in it, it all ties together into this overarching uh, style that I can, you know, claim to have. And so that's been kind of my through line, but then that allows me to like do 
you know dark neon animations or like colorful bright uh poppy animations and like that was kind of my way of breaking out of that um trap of getting stuck doing the same thing over and over even though a lot of artists do that and they make a great living off doing the same thing (laughs) over and over Uh, i just found it to be a little uh I, i didn't want to get trapped in that too early yeah. But now, you know, now a year and a half into it, I'm starting to, you know, revisit the same themes and visuals and stuff because now I've kind of developed a style through this experimental uh, journey. Yeah, yeah. I the the color the co- colors that you use are just like some some of my favorites basically. Like they yeah, they yeah. all work so well together. So that's it it is a really neat like through line for so much so much of your work and um you know, it, even though as you were saying the style kind of shifts around and 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 whatnot but Thanks. it's it's just uh god so so interest. it's always so interesting to learn about something that i just am so totally clueless about <laughs> and <laughs> well, that, yeah. you know and 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 that's what that's what this has kind of been you know which is great yeah um, and that's kind of the fun of like nfts is like i started doing it as just kind of making gifts because back when i started the nft space you couldn't even upload videos to the blockchain that like the technology wasn't ready yet. And so everyone was kind of making these short looping gifts because that's how you could get a lot of mileage out of like a 50 megabyte file size limit. And so um, that's like kind of where I started. It was like, how can I make things, how can you make it loop nicely so that it keeps going and it doesn't feel like you're only making three seconds of animation kind of stuff. Um, But then over time you start to, get comfortable with that and then you find new platforms whether it's uh i I did a release on a website called art blocks which is a generative art where you create art entirely with code and then when people create it they get a randomly generated piece of art and so that's that's you know i did that in january and now that's becoming one of the you know the most sought after platforms and styles of art because it allows an artist to make an unlimited supply of art but each one's unique and i think that that's a really cool thing that like nfts can do that can't be replicated outside the space very easily and then also you know i did a a piece uh for a platform called like async music which allows you to sell music in a way that the album art changes and the audio changes based on who owns different layers of the track and so, for instance, you could have a band and you, as an owner of the guitar stem, you could change how the guitar sounds in the song. And when people listen to it, they have to listen to the version you choose as the owner of that guitar track. And then oh, that also changes the visuals of the album. And so there's so many cool ways that like the technology is creating new mediums altogether for like how music and stuff is released. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that last thing just sounds so interesting to me. Sounds like sounds like a total nightmare for for artists to, to and, have and to producers. be like, yeah, yeah, to be like, here you go. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's see what happens with my work, you know, like that sort of thing. But, but that's, it's really just cool and different. And I don't know. I'm always, I'm always excited to just see new ways to like, con- I hate saying consume, but enjoy, appreciate, yeah. uh, you know, work, work, you know, and that's, uh, so yeah, is there is there anything else that you want to make sure that people hear, or anything you want to plug yeah. or talk about, or you well, know, I think, whatnot? You know, as much as you know, I don't necessarily 
care to talk about like the money of the space. There is a lot of pluses for artists and creators to join the space. And one of those is that with the blockchain technology as a creator, you can use the smart contracts of NFTs to benefit yourself long-term. And by that, I mean, uh, when I sell a piece of art, you sell it for X amount of money, but through the contract, when it resells down the road, you get 10% royalty in perpetuity. And so something I sold for, you know, $200 a year ago could resell for thousands and I'll make more on the secondary royalty than I did on the primary sale. And so that incentivizes uh, this kind of ecosystem of collectors and artists to both want each other to succeed because if someone buys my stuff, I want them, I want to grow the value for them and they want to grow the value for me on the secondary. And so this, this is kind of symbiosis of support. And so the connection with artists and collectors is a lot deeper in this space than it was in the traditional art world where someone would buy my work. I would have no idea where it went and it would, you know, if they sold it on eBay or something, you know, that's their thing. And I have no part in that, but in this, I'm very hyper aware of like every transaction because a little of it will funnel back to me at some point. And I, I want to see the people that support me early on to succeed later on. And so it's, it's really a wonderful um, community of people that are kind of supporting each other. That, that's same really, with, really yeah. interesting. I, I had no clue that that was, that was a thing because that's yeah. always kind of my, like, Looking at, you know, with, with anything art related or, you know, related to collecting things, once it's out of the original artist's possession, it's kind of like, you know, if, if I pay for this, I'm not supporting the artist. I'm supporting the person who bought this from the artist, you know, but this, this is a, this, that's different. And that I did not know. So that's, that's interesting. And it's, yeah, yeah, it creates a fun passive income over time if you know as you continue to grow and it also incentivizes you you know to find to sell things at a cheaper rate early on and build up your community of people because if it grows then you benefit from that growing long term and so it's really kind of a wonderful um solution that they've they figured out with the space and a lot of the the platforms are really good about including that um, but it's, you know, it took, it took years. I mean, I joined the space in January, 2020, but it, the space has been building for many, many years before that. And the, the efforts of all those artists, um, pushing for those royalties and the collectors also that supported the artists early on have kind of like helped build this platform now that, you know, in the past year has kind of exploded. Um, and so it's been really awesome to see, you know, some of these artists, you know, that were making stuff three years ago, sold it for $5, seeing it sell for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then they get tens of thousands of dollars on that r- royalty is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if, if someone wants to, if someone, I guess I, I'm kind of both ends of this. If someone is like, okay, I, I listen to this and I'm interested in NFTs as a creator, like, Mm-hmm. How do you get started with like, what's, what is the, if someone is a total beginner in this space, total <laughs> yeah. novice, like where, where do you go? Because there's so much out there that is just so, I don't know. It's just seems it's very, if crypto feels complicated and for I, sure, you know, yeah. I, that's, that's been kind of my, my experience in trying to like move things be, back and forth between wallets and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely tricky. Um, there's there's a lot more resources now than there was when I started. When I started, I kind of got intrigued because an artist I collected named Killer Acid uh, was putting stuff out. And I was like, what is this? I don't understand what this Ethereum symbol is. And I kind of like spent a couple weeks kind of like Googling and looking at Twitter and kind of figuring out what this all was. Um, now there's a lot more resources on YouTube and Google school of motion has some great articles on like how to get started and set up a wallet. Um, the thing I would say is, you know, there is a, an entry fee barrier now that wasn't there when I started uh, because Ethereum and the, the currency of the space is worth a lot more than when I started. You know, it cost me like uh, $40 to like get started. Now I think it would cost a lot more. So um, I would say that when I mentioned earlier, like Hikeknunk on Tezos, that's a much cheaper way to get started, build a community before you then branch over to like Ethereum, which is more expensive right now. Um, so I would, I would recommend new artists kind of look at that, um, join discords, start following people on Twitter, really spend some time looking at the space, seeing what people are, buying because i think the problem we see right now is everyone kind of sees these headlines about nfts are worth so much money and then they kind of dive in they try to sell something that they haven't been able to sell elsewhere and they're not really creating for the space necessarily mm -hmm. they're just, they're just kind of yeah. shoehorning in something they've been trying to sell in another form um whether it's like physical or something else um that that is tough it's you know New artists, you have to build trust with collectors that you aren't going to just sell something, make a bunch of money, and then leave. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. And it takes, you know, you have to continue to put out work. So if, if you're a new artist, I would say, like, create four or five pieces of art that you feel good about selling and then start to, like, see if people like it, see if see if it's connecting with people, share it, and then... You know, you don't even have to mint and pay the money to make it first. You can just put it out there, see if people want to buy it. And then once you have people that are willing to kind of help fund your initial uh, uh, output or is that the word? Your initial launch, uh, it's a lot more helpful. And there's also some um, organizations that will help artists with their first mint. I think it's called uh, Mint Pass. RF. I'll, to, I'll, I'll send you the link yeah, later but there's good. there's a bunch of these kind of organizations that help artists that can't afford to get started kind of put out their first pieces of art which are very wonderful resources cool cool this is this has been so interesting to me <laughs> and uh you know just thank you so much for for coming out i'm so glad we were able to finally get this scheduled because i reached out to you weeks ago and then you said yes and then I got my world became crazy for a little bit, so I'm glad I'm glad we were able to make this work. I'm I'm really appreciate you having me on here, and Thanks. yeah, if, if anybody has questions about NFTs or whatever, feel free to reach out to me. I'm I'm pretty available, uh, and I'm happy to help uh, awesome. people kind of understand this, the space because it is confusing. Cool. <laughs> well, thank thanks a lot, Brian. Now, thanks for having yeah. me. That's today's show. Thanks to Brian Brinkman for joining me. As always, you can find a full transcript of today's conversation at readthepresentage.com.